Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone, so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but you do not always have me. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priest made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. A lot of theology in here that we could dig into. This, we could spend a little time on this. But today I want us just to get into the story. I want us to be in the story. I want us to hear the story, be a part of the story, feel the story this morning. That's what we're going for. When you walk out of here, I want you to sort of have that smell in your nose, as a matter of fact. have a question to ask you first, though it's a trivia question. Back in the 80s, I believe it was, but in syndication, you can see this on regular, uh, on television, a regular amount of time. It has a theme song that has these words in it. Sometimes... You got, sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. Yeah, cheers. I figured, you know, I got to thinking about this. Here I am opening a sermon up with a, uh, a sitcom that was set in a bar. But I figured after Lisa Tomlinson and uh, Wendy Sewell came forward last week and I called them both old broads that I'm just sort of in this thing, you know. <laughs> We'll just have to go where we go, and if you need to shoot me, that, that's fine. That's, uh, Renee will give you the bullets. For those of you who have never seen an episode of Cheers, uh, either you just got back from Mars or you were born yesterday, uh, it, was, it was a very, very popular sitcom way back when. It didn't start out that way. When it first aired, its first episode, it was 74th of 77 shows on in its time slot. And they almost canceled it that day. But somebody said, no, let's hang on a little bit and we'll, we'll uh, see if it'll draw an audience. And it did. It's been over time. It was rated one of the top situation comedies of all time. Has the best writers uh, recognized as having some of the best writing of all time. But what makes Cheers or made Cheers what it was, I think, was what you found in the theme song. The reason people connected with it is because we all want to go someplace where everybody knows our name and everybody's glad that we came. Sometimes you want to be around people and just let your hair down. Life doesn't have to be a tragedy. Not somebody in your family's died, diagnosed with cancer, some big thing. It could just be the daily grind where that happened to be the day that everything that happened at work that went wrong got blamed on you. wasn't necessarily your fault, but hey, you were the target that day. 
You got up in the morning, you're in a hurry to get the kids to school and get yourself wherever you need to go. The tire's flat, the car won't work right, the battery's gone dead. You're driving to school and something happens. Kid throws up in the car. Kid, even worse, throws up on you. And now you're going to go to work dressed in your nice dress with this big blip going down the side. Have you ever done that? Yeah, I've gone to church before and had people say, what's on the back of your jacket, Randy? I'll take it off and say, oh, that was a present from a child. How nice. In times like that, when the day is over, you want to go someplace where everybody knows your name, where they're all glad that you came, friendly audience, warts and all, we all love each other. We just want to talk about the day, get it out of our system, move on. That's why Jesus went to Bethany. That's why Jesus is where he is in this story. You can find the same story told in Matthew chapter 26, Mark chapter 14. Some people say Luke chapter 7 tells the same story. I don't necessarily agree with them. It seems to me that it has a different audience and a different purpose. I don't think that Jesus just went to one dinner in the whole time he was ministering. So I sort of toss Luke 7 out of this. I could be wrong. Scholars, a lot smarter people than me deal with this. But it's certainly told in 26 and it's certain Mark, Matthew 26 and Mark 14. Each one of them tells us a little bit different about the story. We're looking at the way John told it today. A little background. It's seven days from the crucifixion, Jesus knows what's coming. He knows what's about to happen. He knows how hard this is going to be. Not just the physical suffering, but the fact that he's about to drink from the cup of the wrath of God. And he is not looking forward to any of this. And he's getting ready. He's sort of psyching up, if you will, getting ready for this to happen. And things are sort of heating up in Jerusalem. As they say on the cop shows, a contract is out on Jesus' life. They've told people that if you know where Jesus is, send us that information. We want to come out and arrest him. And not only Jesus now got Lazarus in this thing, because think about it. You go to Lazarus and you say, hey, dude, I heard you were sick. And he says, yeah, I was sick. I died. What? Yeah, I was dead. I was in the grave for four days. And everybody around and goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't understand. Jesus came and raised me from the dead. How would you respond to that? Man, let's go see this Jesus. Because of people coming to Jesus, because of Lazarus, now they want to kill Lazarus too. Chapter 11 ends like this. It says, now the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that if anyone knew where he was, he should let them know so they might arrest him. And people knew where he was. They just didn't give him up. So let's go to verse 1. Verse 1 starts with Jesus going to the town of Bethany. Bethany is about two miles from Jerusalem. He's getting close to the city, Passover week, lots of festivities. He stops at Bethany at the house of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They're the reason that Jesus stopped there. They're like family to him. It's pretty obvious from reading the book of John that Jesus cared for these three people an awful lot. Do you remember what happened when Jesus went to the grave? When he, he came, Lazarus is, de is dead, has been buried, and Jesus comes. You remember the story? John says, when Jesus saw Mary weeping, and the Jews had, get this right, when Jesus saw Mary weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and deeply troubled. He was moved so much, in fact, 
that while they were taking Jesus to Lazarus' tomb, the shortest book, the shortest verse in the Bible happened. What's the shortest verse in the Bible? Jesus wept. Now let me help you understand something about weeping. I had to correct Laura the other day. I had to get on to her. She made a serious mistake and I had to correct her. See, we came in and I was, I was teaching uh, Radical one Sunday night. And I'm telling you, this, this book from Platt has just been wearing me out. It's just been absolutely wearing me out. And one of the things that I was teaching got to me. And while I was talking, my voice broke a little bit. And I had a tear or two come from my eye. And she talked to me the next day about me crying during the service. And I had to help her understand that pastors do not cry. Pastors weep. See, weeping has dignity. <laughs> weeping has masculinity. Mm -hmm. That's right. So I do not cry. I weep. And I believe the translators thought that too, that that word has a little something else to it because they didn't say Jesus cried. They said, they said that Jesus wept. But I want us to get real with this thing. Jesus saw everybody crying and he loved them so much and he hurt so bad for them that he cried too. It's very simple. That's pretty cool to me. The next time you're with people that are hurting, guys especially, you know, we choke this stuff back. The next time you're with somebody that's hurting and you choke up a little bit and you have that tear slip and then you feel a little silly because you know it's them, it's not you, but you're crying. Feel a little silly? Don't feel silly. Listen, Jesus is my rock star. I want to do what he does. Whatever he does, and if I do the same thing he does, that's about as cool as it gets. He cried when the people around him were hurting. That's all right. Let the tears flow if you need to do that. He loved them that much. And that's why he went to Bethany. These people were like family to him. It was almost time to do the most difficult thing that he'd ever have to do. He needed to be somewhere where everybody knew his name. Everybody would be glad that he came. He needed to be with friends. And they were friends. We know they were glad. They threw a dinner party for him. What the scripture says there, verse 2, so they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Now look at what John, when you're reading the scripture, guys, pay attention. We tend to read through it a million miles an hour and, and skip over because we've heard it, you know, a lot of us have heard it since we were, you know, two inches tall. And here we are at 58 years old. I've read this scripture a billion times lean back from it a little bit when you're doing your daily bible reading you're stopping and reading the scripture don't just fly through it so you can do the check off of the task thing lean back just a little bit and say what is he saying what is what is being said here what is not being said here and john when he tells this sort of interesting what he does not say he says that they had this dinner he could given us a laundry list of all the people who attended but he doesn't we don't know how many people were at that dinner. There could have been five people. There could have been 50 people at that dinner. We don't know. We know that Lazarus was one of the ones reclining at the table with him. And I'm not sure about the timing of verse 9. Verse 9 says, when the large crowd of Jews learned that Jesus was there, I don't know. It sort of seems like they might have come after the dinner, but I don't know. They could have come before. They could have come during. They couldn't have come too far after because Jesus was going to leave. So there's a crowd of people, we don't know. John says that's not important. Here's what's important, John says. Number one, Martha was serving. 
Now, we know about Martha, right? You remember the story of Mary and Martha? Martha gets all wadded up. They're having a dinner, and she's out serving and cooking and cleaning and making sure everything's going on, and there's Mary. She's sitting over at Jesus' feet. And Martha's out. And y'all done this. I know you've done this because I've done this. Here I am working my rear end off. And look at him sitting over there in the corner. I've asked him to come help me. And what does he do? He just sits in the corner. He don't do anything. I tell you, he's the laziest person I've ever seen in my whole doggone life. I do not understand why he do, he is He is the sorriest thing. Tell me you ain't done it. Well, that's what Martha's doing here. That's exactly what Martha's done in the story earlier because she serves people. And so she's run around and she did all that stuff. And then Mary, Jesus says, no, this is the time, Martha, for you to listen. This is the time you need to sit down. And the other story is the implication. But in this story, it says Martha served. And that's all it tells us is that Martha served. Imagine how Martha felt. Not too long ago, this man who was sitting at her table had taken her was dead but is now alive brother and called him out of the grave. He was dead as a rock, dead as stone, dead as dirt, dead as a doornail, dead as a hammer. He was dead. He was so dead that when they came to the tomb and Jesus said, roll the stone back, this very woman turns and looks and says, are you nuts? He stinks by now. Do you think the family wants to smell the stinking body of their brother? Have you lost your mind? And Jesus says, you don't know what you're messing with here. Just roll the stone back. I'll take care of business. And now she saw what happened. And this very man is sitting at her table. What is she going to do? Man, you know what she's going to do. Jesus had more fried chicken that day than Kentucky fried chicken has ever cooked in its entire lifetime. Whenever his mason jar was been sipped out of, she was there with some more sweet tea pouring it into it. And God helped the man. If he had ever said to her ever in his existence that you make the best pecan pie I have ever tasted that night, what is he going to have? Uh-huh. A nice big warm slab of pecan pie is going to be sitting there no matter how full he is. She is going to serve him. She felt gratitude. That's that word I was trying to get to the other week. It's that word that we have, that feeling that we have when thank you isn't enough. Gratitude, she felt tons of it. Martha was created to serve. She didn't have to wait to know the will of God about what I need to do in this situation. She was created to serve. No question in her mind. She was going to do what she was meant to do whenever anybody special was in her life and needed something. She was going to serve. And Martha looked down the table and saw sitting there her was dead but is now alive brother sitting at the table right near the master. No words could express the gratitude that she had, no words could express the gratitude for the nights that she had now where she would get up in the middle of the night and walk to the door 
where Lazarus was sleeping and watch his chest rise and fall. Hear the light snoring come from his lips when she was there. When he breathed out his last breath and nothing else came in. Imagine how she felt. Oh, Jesus took a sip of tea. Better bring the pitcher out. Ready to go. I can, I can imagine her eyes as she looked at Jesus. The warmth and tenderness that she had in her eyes that said, I love you more than anything, anytime, anywhere, in any place. You name what you want. I'll make sure you get it. Thank you for doing something that is impossible for anybody else. Thank you for this miracle. Thank you for giving my brother back to me. Thank you for letting me know that you are Messiah. And Lazarus sits right there. In my mind's eye, I don't see Lazarus saying much. And when you read John, John doesn't say anything that Lazarus said other than he was reclining at the table, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. He's sitting there, I'm sure, listening to every word, laughing at the jokes, but not laughing too loud because he doesn't want to miss a word. He loved Jesus before. <laughs> How does he feel now? I mean, really, what words do you say to somebody? When you were dead and you are now alive, what words would you say to somebody that saved your child's life, that saved your wife, that saved your husband, that saved that special friend of yours? What words, what words would you have to give away? Lazarus sat and he listened, reclined at the table with Jesus. And while they ate, the main event occurs. They're reclined at the table. Get, get our picture out of the mind, guys. They're not sitting at a table. They're sitting on the floor. They've got cushions underneath them. They've got their legs sort of kicked out behind them a little bit as they recline at the table to sit there and eat. <coughs> and in walks Mary. Mary's the spiritual sister. She is not carrying tea or pie or Kentucky Fried Chicken. She walks into the room. She's got her hair up in a bun because all the women wore their hair like that. They never drop their hair in front of men. She walks in. She's carrying a, a, an alabaster flask. Alabaster is one of those weird kind of things, you know. It's sort of translucent, but it's not. It's very, very white. But it's like a ghost. When you look at alabaster, it's sort of like you see it, but you don't. It's got that little quality to it that... It looks solid, but it looks like you can look through it. It's very, very pretty. And this flask that she has has a little pointed snout up on it that goes very, very slender. And the snout was made to be broken off in order to pour out of. You know, it's like the stuff you buy now. Uh, some of the contact lens solutions I've used has a little twist-off top. You twist it off, and then you spray out of it. Same principle. You just click off the top of this thing, and you can pour the perfume or whatever's in that container out. And I can imagine as she comes walking in, everybody's had food, everybody's been doing her thing, here comes Mary walking into the room. Every eye in the house is watching her because she's carrying this beautiful, beautiful flask in her hands. And it's not food. And she goes over behind Jesus. She kneels behind Jesus. They hear a faint pop. And she breaks off the tip of that flask and immediately 
they smell the perfume. Now think, think of the contrast. That's what I want you to get in your head. Think of the contrast. And I know I keep saying fried chicken. I, I don't have a clue what they eat, but let's just play with fried chicken. Has a smell, right? Has a distinctive smell. And all of a sudden, the smell of that fried chicken is gone, and all you can smell is this perfume. And folks, they hadn't, they hadn't inv- invented Old Spice yet. All of these guys sitting around the table hadn't had a regular bath in quite some time. They didn't have running hot and cold running water, so they all had B.O., every last one of them. And all of a sudden, I can't smell the person sitting beside me. I can't smell anything but this perfume. And outside the wall, outside the house, would have been pigs and, well, not pigs, sheep and goats and horses and all manner of animals would have been outside and all of that smell would sort of come through the windows. They were just used to it. All of a sudden, all of that smell is gone. There's just this super, super sweet, wonderful aroma. And Mary pours this flask over Jesus' feet. And the stuff comes out, it comes out very, very slowly. Guys, it's like the heavy oil you use. And I had to change the oil in my boat and down where the motor comes out. It's got a technical name, but I call it where the motor comes out. And it has little screws on the side of it, and you take it out, and the oil that you put in there is really, really thick oil. It's not like you pour into the engine. This stuff takes some effort to get in there. Sort of like differential oil in the back. I do think I remember that's called differential in the back, where I put oil in the back before, where you have to squeeze it to make it go in. It's so thick. Ladies, if you've made one of those pecan pies, you've used Cairo syrup or something like it before, and you know Cairo syrup, when you pour it out, it doesn't hit and splatter like water. When you pour it... Have you ever watched this sort of neat? It sort of piles up a little bit, you know? You know what I'm talking about? Sort of piles up a little bit, and then it starts, and as it, it's smoothing out, it's still piling up. That's what's going on on Jesus' feet. It's not running out there like water. Piles up a little bit, and then it starts moving over his feet. And then this woman does the most scandalous thing that she could do. She reaches up behind her head and she pulls the pins out of her hair. And her hair falls down around her shoulders, falls around the front, falls around the back. And then she did that thing that girls with long hair do. You know, she, whoops, she took her hand and she pulls the hair around until she's got it all coming down on one side. And then she bends down behind Jesus. How low did she have to bend down for her hair to touch his feet? And she bends down super, super low. And her hair is touching his feet. And every stroke of her hands, smoothing that ointment with her hair, says to Jesus, I love you. I love you. Thank you for giving me my was dead but is now alive brother back. Thank you for coming and being with us right now. Thank you for being Messiah. Thank you. She understood who he was and was overwhelmed by it. No words did she speak. Actions. Gratitude, heartfelt, overwhelming, unbelievable, How can someone like Jesus love me so gratitude? I can imagine that room was filled with an electric silence. 
It was one of those once-in-a-lifetime moments. And you know when those moments are. You've had them in your own life. Everything with me, you know, everything with me is music. I don't know why that's the way God designed me, but music is a big deal to me. And at the end of certain songs where the song is so intense, just so intense, and you've been lifted up to heaven and your soul is full, and that last little note, you know, you get that, you hear the notes in the piano, you hear the notes from the violins, from the orchestra, and you hear the, the note just finally go away. And that two or three seconds, maybe not even that long, before the audience realizes it's over and they applaud, that little moment that you don't want anybody to even breathe, because it was so spectacularly good. That's what this moment is. And in that moment, so spectacularly good moment, you hear this. Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? It's always somebody, right? It's always somebody voice belonged to Judas Iscariot. John identifies him as the one who was about to betray him, the only one probably sitting in that room that Jesus did not inspire at all. Perfume that Mary used was nard, not heard of it, so I went looking it up and to see, you know, what makes this stuff special. To this day, this is grown from, this, is, this perfume is extracted from a plant that is grown only in one place on the entire earth in the Himalaya mountains somewhere between Tibet and some other country that hooks onto Tibet over there. I forget which one it was. And that's the only, at a certain altitude, and that's the only place it's grown. And it has always been exported from that place, and it has always been very, very expensive, always. And he says 300 denarii, 300 denarii, let's consider back then a working man's wage was one denarius a day. So that's 300 denarii. Now, if you work 300, if you got a 365-day year, 52 of those days you can't work because they're the Sabbath. There's another few days that you can't work because they're religious holidays and nobody works on it. This is a full year's wages. You worked 300 days. She's holding 300 days worth of salary in this little bitty jar that's in her hand that she is pouring on Jesus' feet. Absolutely, a man with no gratitude was certain to complain about it. And he was certain to complain about it the way he did. He was the treasurer of the twelve. John says he was a thief, that he regularly helped himself to the money given to them by, the, by all of the disciples, not the twelve, but all the people that were following Jesus. He regularly helped himself to that money. He was jealous of what was happening to that money. He didn't any more care about the poor than the man in the moon. All he wanted is that if that, this woman had done the right thing and had helped the poor like we're supposed to, like you said we're supposed to, Jesus, then I could have filched a little bit of it. No. I think about that in terms of what we do today. Have you heard the phrase, we've got to do this for the children? Yeah, I've got to do it for the children. Because if I say, well, no, we don't need to do this, you're going to go, well, you just don't love the children, do you? And that's what he just did. That's exactly the argument that he used 2,000 years ago. We should do this for the poor. What's the matter with you church people? 
sitting in here around Jesus, all enamored and everything. She could have sold that and given it to the poor. Can you imagine how many people would have been fed by that? You have no concept of it, do you? Well, now think about this. Here Mary is living in a day where daily showers weren't known. They didn't have head and shoulders. They didn't have herbal essences. They didn't have all those shampoos that we have now. If Jesus condemns her, for days she's going to walk through town and people are going to smell her hair. For days. Some of you ladies with your bushy long hair, think about how long it takes for the smell. Do not laugh at me. Should I used another word beside bushy? I should have. Can you help me with that? I don't know. I just see it. It sort of sticks out a little bit, you know. You ladies with the luxurious long hair. God gives us the word, you know. Working on that. Think of how long it takes a smell to get out of your hair. Let's suppose you're around somebody and, and you go in a car where somebody's smoking a lot and how your hair holds on to that. How long does that hair hang on to that smell? You know, and, and this woman's not going to wash her hair tonight. She may not wash it tomorrow night. And if she does wash it, I wonder how much of this nard's going to get out. And everywhere she walks, if Jesus condemns her, everywhere she walks for the next X number of days, that smell is going to be there and people are going to smell it and they're going to look at her and they're going to say, look at that hussy. She dropped her hair in front of everybody. She bent down and wiped his feet with her hair and wasted all of that money that ought to have been given to poor, help poor people. What kind of a tramp is she? I can imagine that Mary looked up at Jesus with tear-filled eyes. And Jesus looked at her square in the eyes and he says, Leave her alone. She's preparing my body for burial. And then I suspect, Scripture doesn't say it, but I just suspect he looks Judas in the eye and he says, you can have the poor here for a long time, dude, but you're not going to have me for very much longer. It was the day before Passion Week began. They didn't even know that's what it was called back then. Went to Jerusalem the next day. It was going to be Palm Sunday. People are going to be putting branches in front of Jesus. Going to go to the temple on Tuesday. All kinds of things are going to go on all that week. And as Mary walked by people all that week, they're going to smell that perfume. And they're going to remember Jesus' words. And when he's crucified, they'll remember those words. And they'll know who he is. And they'll understand her gratitude. And they'll understand what it means to be struck by a love that is so deep that you would risk ridicule and a love so humble that you would bow low before the master and with your hair you would wash his feet in sweet perfume. Jesus loves you more than air. Jesus loves you more than his own heartbeat. He proved that to you. 
this week, <clears throat> when you walk at work this week, as you go to home, as you go to the school, as you go to the ball field, what fragrance will your gratitude give to those that you pass? Will they be able to see your gratitude in the way you speak to the people around you? Will they be able to see your gratitude in the way you touch your children? In the way you touch your spouse? In the way you speak to them? Will they be able to tell that you have bowed low at the feet of the master? And that he has been your Messiah? And that you are saved? Will they be able to tell that you are eternally grateful in a way that words will never express. Father, I pray. I pray, Father, that our gratitude before you would be that great. I pray, Father. I pray that each one of us would be struck by the enormity of what you have done for us. So struck that we couldn't do our praise Jesus hallelujah routine. We couldn't speak. But maybe sometime this week, that person that normally gets on our nerves, we would touch. Or that person who is hurting so badly, we would listen to. Or our children that look up with us with such adoring eyes, we would sit down and be Jesus to them for just a few minutes. We believe, Lord, but help our unbelief. Give us, fill us with who you are so that we would be overwhelmed by gratitude. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.